Hey everybody, welcome back to another Photog Adventures podcast. I'm Aaron King. I'm Brendan Porter. With families and day jobs, we know it's hard to find time to get out there with your camera. So Brendan and I joined together and made the commitment to go out consistently and build up our landscape and astrophotography portfolios. We live in Utah and are lucky to have so many beautiful landscapes all around us. Not only do we have five national parks right here in Utah, but we are only a day or less drive away from 30 other national parks. So we created PhotogAdventures.com, this podcast, and our YouTube channel to chronicle our adventures. Come along with us to amazing places and learn from our mistakes and our successes. We hope that you will get out there too and have a Photog adventure of your own. It's episode 93. Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast, everybody. I am joining you from a very brand new studio. Brendan, help me move everything in here. Thanks, Brendan. I did, yeah. It was um, not too bad, actually wasn't too hard. Yeah, honestly, when you want to keep your studio nice and neat and minimalistic, <laughs> you only move in the desk, the computers, you got internet connection, we got Brennan's computer, his desk, a chair, and that's it so far. Oh, the wall. We'll have the wall board that says Photog Adventures. That's what we that have. Wasn't, yeah, that wasn't hard. Nah. Luckily, your our office space was so tiny that uh, it didn't really require a whole lot, so... You know, the office space was tinier by about two feet. This place is two feet larger, have 12 by 12, but it's going to be fantastic because I can utilize the apartment space everywhere. I can put things downstairs in this little garage that I actually have and then bring things in as needed instead of storing everything from food to camping gear to Mm. everything for photography all in one 10 by 12 room. (laughs) It's awesome to have this now. And there's a big three window um, window in here that's making one wall entirely natural lighting. And that's going to be awesome for our YouTube channel. Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yep. So hopefully my voice is coming through. Okay. This is my first day since last Thursday that I've had my voice really, I feel like I have it, but it's not as full power. It definitely sounds better than it did two days ago. <laughs> it, you sounded like a completely different person. Oh my gosh. On the, on the phone, it was it was crazy. I sounded like a spunky uh, smoker. Like I was like, how's it going, guys? Yeah. I could not talk. And I couldn't really talk very loudly because I was worshiping the white porcelain altar that we all go to every day. But I was hugging it with my hands over and mm. over again, if you know what I mean. And we'll bypass any more details on that. So here we got Iceland. We're going to bypass and forego any other announcements right now. Let's just get to the podcast and talk about Iceland. Know how are you doing? What are you doing? We just did a little bit of that. And talk about the awesome adventure and misadventure. Because, of course, we had to have one photog misadventure, thanks to me, in Iceland. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Don't say it like that. Oh, yeah. I'm going to talk about it I again. remember now, yeah. <laughs> so let's start off with the first, you know, short misadventure of choosing the wrong airport for our rental. Well, that is, I'm betting, a very common mistake. Um, <laughs> when you're flying from Copenhagen to Faroes and Faroes to Iceland, that's all considered domestic flights, right? Right. And so they don't fly domestic flights into Reykjavik. They fly domestic flights like 45 minutes away from Reykjavik into the domestic airport, which is tiny and has yeah. like, I think, two terminals. And it's they make smaller you stand than, It's smaller than Faroe's airport. Oh, yeah. Entirely. Like maybe I would say it comprises of 
like a thousand square feet. At some it's, point. It's, it's like ten thousand square ridiculous. feet is probably what it really is. But it's just still you're in the small room. They have the duty air duty free area that you're funneling through, and it's like you just walked into a Montana gas station front room, and it's like there's seventy people in a Montana gas station. Like no one ever comes here. They don't have a very big lobby for buying things, but everyone's walking through these aisles to buy duty free stuff to get to their baggage claim. Yeah, and there's people like there that just like stopped and just like, dude, there's nowhere else to go. You need to move so I can yes. go out of here. Please, you know, it just was, keep going. And, and they then didn't. I asked James, I'm like, <laughs> is this just baggage claim? Do I have to be here? He's like, oh, I don't think so. That's from what he could see at his perspective. It's like, okay, great. And Brendan and I are like, pardon me, pardon me, pardon me, freedom. Yeah, oh. let's get out of here. And then we got there. We're just like, wait a minute. Now where do we go? And we're looking at the map. We're like, uh, the airport's like 45 minutes from here. <laughs> and the and the bus there's a bus where was the bus located it was like fly located bus. and it wasn't even located at that airport you had to take a taxi to we the take fly a taxi bus station to the fly bus station the fly bus station was an hour from the airport drive and when i got to the air when i got to the bus station so i left you guys there i'm just like okay you guys go to the hotel yeah. have fun see you, I I, see bag, you guys there. so you had nothing else to carry with you except your headphones except my headphones <sighs> sadly anyway so again just to rub um, them one more time <laughs> so i got to the bus station and the lady's like well the bus is an hour away from now and it takes an hour to get there for us i'm like i'm not gonna wait for two hours to get to this place like i don't think so and she said oh, no well these this couple like these girls over here are gonna take a taxi and it was a girl and her mom. And I was like, uh, she's like, maybe you can split with them. I'm like, yeah, yeah. So I walk up to them and I say, you guys going to take a taxi? They said, yeah, to the airport. Yeah. Uh, they want to split, split it. And she's like, yeah. <laughs> so we walk outside and there's a Mercedes, brand new 2018 Mercedes wagon, just like mine, but newer is awesome. And uh, <laughs> No deer headbutts on the side no, panel. No, yeah. No destructive <laughs> destruction going on on the outside. <laughs> And uh, yeah, it was it was nice, and the guy just loaded our stuff in there, and everybody fit in nice and comfortably, and it was great. It was, oh my uh, gosh! Awesome. I'm texting Brandon to see when he's going to make it for dinner, and he's like, "Well, I'm on my way to the airport." I'm like, what do you mean on your way? He's like, "Actually, it'd been worse if I wasn't on my way right now. I'd be even later." So we met with everyone from our group at the Faroe Islands workshop. We went out to get some pho, and man, that's when we first experienced the conversion of the Icelandic krona mm. to a U.S. dollar. And man, it was punishing. Yeah, we're like uh, a normal bowl of pho would cost like ten bucks here. It was like pretty much double wasn't it yeah 10 bucks in the united states is actually almost 20 there and then we get there and the guy who was the vietnamese guy is like apologizing that there's ingredients missing like fresh basil because they he's just, like sorry we don't have basil or limes <laughs> they don't have them there in iceland yeah <laughs> it's like so here's your pho mm. and it's gonna be pretty dang close but not totally and by the way you're gonna spend double on it it's like oh boy so everyone else is like we're out of here we were experiencing pho for the first time let's go they went mm -hmm. to the icelandic street food which was way better and really fantastic i mean you got to look at the reviews on google and see something when you see something like this you drop everything and eat there because there were 858 reviews. And with that, they still had a score of 4.8 out of 5. That's pretty nuts. Yeah. And they had like the lamb, they had like the lamb soup in a soup bowl. And I think it was like $12 US dollars, right? For that. In the soup 10 bowl, to or do you bucks. mean a bread bowl? Because they for had the bread, bowl. A bread Sorry, bowl. Sorry, for the bread bowl. Delicious. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, it was about $12 or $13 for that, which still was cheaper very than expensive. the pho, But they give you free refills too of the soup. Like, oh, if, that's right. Of course, they'd you give, never they actually would give you extra needed. bread if you wanted, and they'd give you free refills in the soup. So it's like, dude, this is like the best value in town. 
I think that's why that it's so highly reviewed. I eat a lot and still was completely full. Mm. Yeah, because that's the thing with a bread bowl. Once you get like, once you eat the right. get eat all the soup, then the the bread will fill you up pretty fast. You so. eat like a fifth of that bread bowl and you're done, mm-hmm. which is fine. Mm-hmm. It was plenty of food. It was freaking amazing. And for having a thousand people go in there and ma- manage to be willing to write a review, and they still almost had a perfect score. It's fantastic. And yeah, not to mention, yeah. it's open really late. So it's open until oh, yeah. 11 p.m. at night. And so if you need some food and you're there late, you have an option. Icelandic street food. Go to it. Yep. In Reykjavik. In Reykjavik capital. That's right. I have yep. no idea if it's anywhere else because we were having yeah, trouble finding <laughs> even stores in some cities that we'd pass through. When we were going for oh, breakfast yeah. the oh, next yeah. morning, oh my gads. So speaking of that, next morning we woke up late. We're so tired. Not, not late, but later than we what if we went out to a sunrise and we were sure. going through the area and just sleeping and driving? Basically, Brendan and I are in the front and we're enjoying the view of clouds saying, hey, it's okay that you weren't out finding a perfect composition because these clouds are blocking everything. Nothing really mm. to panic about. And now we're driving through what is equivalent of like the Utah desert with moss on all the rocks. Yeah. And well, and yeah, it was really interesting because it seems like just outside of Reykjavik is like a lot of like grassland and yeah. stuff. So we saw lots of like ponies and, and sheep and some cows. And it was, it was almost just like, it's just like driving through like rural Utah where there's like, but it's grassier, but grassier, yeah. you know what I mean? Like it's not so deserty. It's just more grassy, but it's almost kind of deserty. The fact that it was kind of drier and, and just plain really. The biome transitions from, you know, coastal city to grassland to desert looking area, lava fields to Mm. Icelandic or Icelandic iceberg glaciers. I mean, it was just incredible difference all within a few hours of driving. And it's fun. There's this ring around Iceland that you can drive. And man, you basically have a two lane road. You're driving towards the traffic coming at you. There's not a lot of space on the road, but you don't share it with that many people. You do get stuck behind some slower driver and some stupid tourists and stupid tourist caravans or buses that slow everything down. Mm. But man, driving through there was fantastic. It was a feast for the eyes. And then for 10 brief minutes, all of a sudden the sun peeked out underneath those clouds just perfectly and made just made a beautiful orange sky for us and made us mm. really regret that everything around us was kind of ho-hum. You couldn't say, hey, look at that picture from Iceland. If you saw it, you would just think we were somewhere here in Utah. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's it it has a challenge in it in it in its own sense because you've got to drive out from Reykjavik pretty far to get like um, the really stellar landscapes, right? I mean, we drove from nearly six hours on one road yeah. to get to Hoffen area. And Hoffman that is was, where we ended up staying, and it was right next to Vesterhorn. Yeah, Vesterhorn, and what yeah. you know, the uh, the Yokel Sarlon area that has that lagoon that has the glacier dripping icebergs into it, and then it creates the Diamond Beach. So we decided to drive all the way out to that spot to be close to Vesterhorn and that, and experiencing those areas first, because we're always willing to drive, and six hours seemed like nothing, except, man, during it, it started feeling pretty long. Yeah, I mean, even six hours here in the states is—you can get really far in six hours. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And so that's when I realized, like, wow, Iceland's way bigger than I thought it was. You know, that like, small island turns out to be pretty gigantic. Yeah, because if you're driving for six hours, we're still not even to like the other side of the coast. It's like, wow, we uh, 
like we drove on the coast the whole around the coast you know line but yeah it's like we and we still like there's so much more further north and it was just it was crazy one beautiful thing on the way there that we had to get out and record, and I'll share a video here in the show notes at photogadventures.com forward slash EP93. You'll see a video of us just kind of in love with this lava field that has been grown mm. over. And a few days later, we saw it, and it's less green because it hadn't rained. So it had rained that morning, and everything was so deep green. It looked like a bunch of deep green hedgehogs were like thousands of them were huddled together sleeping because every rock had its own individual back of green and it was all separate. It didn't look like one big entity as much as it was obviously a bunch of piled up lava rocks that had had all this growth. It was so fascinating and really cool textures, really neat. I, I just I had we had to stop and we went out and played on it because it was uh, amazing looking. It was, it was, and it was like kind of, and it was very spongy too. You could tell like, Ooh, there's yeah. like a century or two of growth, you know, and maybe even more, maybe hundreds of years of growth. I, who, I don't know how old those lava fields are, but I oh, mean, it yeah. was like a good six to eight inches from the rock to the top of the sponge patch of growth. And it was just nuts. And some were turning like fall colors, some were turning red and orange and yellow. And there's all these different little plants within this little biome. It was just so fascinating. Yeah, and it's interesting how it was so spongy that as you walked on it, you felt like you were jumping on a mattress a bit. Mm-hmm. There was just points that you had to, to kind of bound, bound about because it had that spring. And then as you're bounding around this very foreign terrain, you feel like you maybe are on another planet because you have a lower set of gravity. You're bounding around, and it looks so crazy and magical compared to everywhere else that I've lived. It was just mm-hmm. really, really unique and cool. So if you're driving from Reykjavik to Yokel Sarlon to see Diamond Beach, on the way, look for those lava fields that you're going to see in this video that are so green. And I'll even share a video of on our way back, how with the dried up lime, not lime, it was like a, a mint green, very pale green on the way back. And they just mm. didn't have the same magic that they had that morning. And they were massive fields too. I mean, you were driving for like half oh, an hour, yeah. 45 minutes through these giant lava rock fields miles i really wanted to pull up and get a shot there i i wish to the heavens that we had made it for that sunrise because pulling off anywhere would have been fantastic Mm. and the way that those hills kind of rolled around and the big texturing of the green and then having that sunrise orange would have been fan freaking fantastic and it would have been amazing Mm. to show and i wouldn't have been able to get someone to know it was iceland offhand unless they had taken note of those themselves you wouldn't think oh that's iceland obviously but man it's so freaking amazing yeah, yeah, it was. It really was. So then continuing on this ring, we're heading towards this area, and we see a waterfall in the distance and go, okay, we've got to stop. That's huge. It's falling very far down. Mm-hmm. It's a big, obvious waterfall, and we didn't realize it, but it was Cellulon's Foss, and this one's a very touristy area with a tourist bathroom, tourist lobby, gift shop, and they have a pathway designated for you to go in, up, up to the waterfall and under the waterfall and then come back out the other side and mm-hmm, everything, mm-hmm. man. This is the beginning of us realizing, ah, yeah, this place has kind of been, I wouldn't say ruined by tourists, but when it comes to landscape photography and that communion with nature, you don't get that feeling. Not with the big, not with the big sites like that, no. It's no. unfortunate you've got to, you know, uh, there's lots of places around here too that have, 
that are really uh, overpopulated as well, like some like of the trails Yosemite. and stuff. Yeah, if you go to Yosemite or if you go to Zion's, you go to, I mean, Zion's, I mean, geez, sometimes it takes an hour just to get in the place, you know? Right. And Let it's, alone get people out of your shot. Right. And so it's one of the most epic landscape places we have, and yet it's still overrun with tourism. And uh, so that's the thing is it's becoming more of a challenge for, for landscape photographers to find those off-the-beaten-path places that you have to get a little bit further out of your way now, you know? Dangerously, as, too. So don't yeah. do it willy-nilly. Like 20, 30 years ago, I don't think it was such a problem, you know? No, and now, even on Google, remember we saw the picture of Cellulon's Foss and we saw mm-hmm. how there was no, no sign of those roped off areas. Mm-hmm. People were just spread out, these photographers. Like, and that was like four three or four years ago, wasn't it? I'm imagining, but it could have been a 10-year-old picture mm-hmm. still. It's just that much has changed in the last decade. Yeah, where people were just like, you know, three people, three photographers out in the grass by the waterfall taking pictures, like no big deal. And now it's like pretty much forbidden because if they allow people in the grass, it's, they're going to trample it and it's going to become a big mud pit. So it's just. Yeah. Iceland has mm. that same problem that Faroe Islands has where you're walking around on this kind of wimpy grass that just is going to smash into muddy soil that is ready to get muddy in the moment's notice that you just, you just mm. can't. So they have these areas at Kirkjafetla, they had that pathway created with the weird plastic grating so that you don't tear up and erode the terrain trying to hike up and around the foss there and so it it the whole place has been adjusted and adapted for thousands of foot traffic mm-hmm. and thousands mm-hmm. of people foot traffic is seriously happening september is a consideration that that's like the first that that's like one of my teenager that is the first month of aurora possibility and so you get a little bit of the summer weather you get a little bit of the aurora and you kind of mm-hmm. get this beautiful transition between schools just beginning less people are there kind of and you've got the best of both worlds in iceland and so september's man it's probably a way too busy time to ever go. Yeah, and that's the thing. Is that supposed to be the start of the downturn? And it was still felt like it was overpopulated with tourists. Oh, and I'm just like, I'd hate to see this place in the summertime. If this is what it's like in the fall, this is crazy. Oh, very disappointing. I got to say, if I would have just gone to Iceland a few years ago, I'd be so much happier. You see some mm-hmm. shots from like our favorites, like Nick Page, that has this beautiful aurora over Kirkjafetla. And it doesn't seem like he was completely alone, but he most likely had far less than what we experienced. And we'll talk about that in the third yeah. segment. I mean, yeah. oh my gads. This place is full of tourists. And so right now, if you're thinking, I got to get to Iceland and hurry and get out there, what do you think, Brendan? Change the different time of year when you come or focus on mm. those more dangerous, hard to reach areas with a guide. Get a guide like Serena Ho's group that'll mm. take you to these awesome places yeah. and keep you safe. It's hard to say. I mean, this is our first, uh, it's our first time there. And so we just got a really good feel for the area and as we did as much as we could with the limited time we had. And it, it's, I feel like we need two weeks in Iceland alone, like just to really absolutely agree. settle in and get a really good grasp of the areas that we need to go out and explore. But um, the touristy areas, I bet they're a nightmare in the summertime. So I'm thinking maybe early spring or later in the fall, maybe even October might be better because I don't know. But the we'll weather, it April, depends on what you want, right? Yeah. Yeah. In April, we'll be back there on our way to another Faroe Islands workshop. And so we're going to experience that again and we'll know a little bit more. So let's go ahead yeah. and take our first break of the podcast. We'll come back and talk about Diamond Freaking Beach. What an amazing place. Oh, yeah. 
Welcome back to the Photog Adventures podcast. We're talking Iceland today. We're talking a five quick day trip in Iceland, trying to get a taste. And yeah, we definitely tasted it, but man, we haven't begun to finish the appetizer that is Iceland. I mean, oh man, mm, there's so no. much more in Iceland. We haven't begun our meal. It is definitely something you've got to do with more time than five days. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I Like I said in the last segment, two weeks would be like the minimum that I would you know, want to do there. If I were planning it for the first time, five days is not enough. It was right. just a nice stop for us to do on the way home. And five days is kind of pushing it for me, but it was, I'm glad I did because three days would have been way worse. I mean, I don't even know what, what I would do in three days. It's not <laughs> enough time. Just what was bogus. All the driving you do to come right back again. That's poor right. James had to do. We went out and then we drove him right back. And that was That's just true. That was not enough. Driving. Yeah, that was not enough time for him. Yeah. So when you look at glaciers i've seen them before i haven't appreciated mm-hmm. them like i appreciated them there in iceland i mean it was it was mystical to see that really cool curve like like, like a river frozen in time yeah, I mean, yeah literally frozen since they're icebergs but that just you could see as if you could watch the next thousand years happen, you could see how it moves down like water would, but it's going at a glacial, I mean, the glacial pace exists as a phrase because glaciers are moving at an incredible pace. Like the cosmos, we look at a frozen supernova in time and over decades that supernova expands and what we see is just tiny moments of an explosion well this Mm -hmm. glacier is pouring water down this rocky mountain and it's happening over thousands of years and it's just it has the striations and shape of moving liquid that has completely been frozen yeah it's so it's it really is surreal and the thing is it's actually cutting that rock too and actually forming around that mountain at the same time it's just it's crazy to think that and when james and i pulled over for a sunset and um, and you guys were you were down there at, by the van still, and James and I went up to this little hill, and this amazing sun spot like spotlight was shooting out from the top of the mountain. Um, we could see little tiny headlights at the top of the, one of the glaciers. Oh yeah, and that's why we're just like, what is that? Like that's a car up there? Like what? And he's like, yeah, it might be one of those four by four glacier tours. I'm like, oh man, I've got to find out about that because that sounds amazing. You know, so that's definitely on my bucket list now, because if they can take you all the way to the top of that thing, that'd be a completely different world to me. Oh, man, no kidding. I mean, that whole area of Vatnaya Kutla, that's this national park of glacier that is there. If you look on satellite view, you'll see this just pure white, this whole section. Mm-hmm. And then you can see where it gets this bluish gray as these glaciers are coming and forming down into the lagoon, going between rocks. And as you're driving all along this ring through Hof and then towards Hofen, you're, see- you're seeing glaciers everywhere. You're seeing mm-hmm. them just pouring into different areas and folding and curving and you just you you want to get out and hike on there yeah and uh i think there's some spots that we did see on the map that you probably could pull right up and walk yes. up a trail and get to a glacier fairly easily and i definitely want to try that next time i was hoping we could do it this last trip but we just didn't have enough time no and so um that's definitely a thing i want to try um, also is one of them skafta fetla and 
right there is a pathway that you do a big curve up towards them and then you kind of go right along the side of them and mm. there's several turnoffs that take you up there and you can see how they have some facilities and people there and you can go walk out on them but they're you know it's where the glacier meets the dirt and so it's yeah. dirty at first and you have to hike quite a bit to get up there and it's not safe not everywhere is going to be a safe sure stronghold foothold mm -hmm. you know so just don't go alone Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you don't know what kind of chasms there are and all kinds of stuff that could happen. I mean, Glacier is just a giant piece of ice. So it's shifting every day, right? Yeah. But what's so, cool about the glacier that we saw in Diamond Beach, if you want to start talking about that. Yeah, now, absolutely. I was going to say the same thing. Uh, that, uh, that glacier actually pushes into a lagoon and that lagoon actually is like a big, it's like a big uh, lake that pushes, that comes right down into uh, the ocean. And so it goes under this little bridge, and so ice gets broken off every day. Pieces of ice, sometimes they're big, sometimes they're little, depending on how much movement is happening in the in the glacier, I guess. And uh, so these chunks will slowly make their way under the bridge and into the ocean. And then the ocean will take them up, clean them up, and then push them onto the beach. <laughs> it's like, yeah. <laughs> and it just does it every single day. It's crazy. It's nuts to see how much it can change in a day. Because we got out there, we saw the Yokosarlon Glacier Lagoon, and then we're looking at it, enjoying it, and go over to the Diamond Beach, and we see hundreds of people on the beach where there are about dozens of ice and really cool mm -hmm. pieces. And I've heard before from Serena where she's been out there, and there's just kind of nothing nothing to really to take pictures of and so it's like okay we got dozens here we're pretty lucky let's get some pictures now just in case tomorrow morning for sunrise like our plan there's none there well man uh things didn't go quite that way we come back and the place is not only filled with hundreds of ice it's all along the beach, really close and accessible. They have big, big chunks that have just come up. Like before, we saw probably two or three big, big pieces that were as tall as us. This mm. next morning, there were dozens of those that were giant, and then hundreds of small ones all strewn about on that beach. It was incredible. Well, yeah, so what I could see, I mean, the lagoon had big pieces, right, when we went there the first afternoon. And so I was hoping that some of these pieces would make their way the next morning because... Uh, I, that was kind of like my prediction. My head is like, oh my gosh, I hope these big pieces make it here because that'd be amazing. And then sure <laughs> yeah. enough, yeah, it, it was there. I mean, there were so many more pieces there the next morning. It was, I mean, Serena said there's sometimes pieces as big as a couch, sometimes pieces as big as a car. Sometimes there's just a bunch of hand-sized, you know, you know, pieces, the small melons that are just all over the place. And so it's just random every day, right? So we were really, really lucky to get there with big pieces. I mean, there's pieces you could have jumped on and like ridden like a horse, you know what I mean? Like it was, they're just massive, some of these pieces. So <laughs> it was it was awesome. So getting there photographically, I'm there for sunrise. This is what I'm here for. We have an hour because we got to go back to Vesterhorn yep. to pick up James. And I'm thinking, okay, mm. I got to find something. What out of all of these is going to stand out? And I'm just walking my first few 50 yards when I suddenly I see these three-fingered toes, you know, going right through through two ice pieces I'm like boom okay this is mm -hmm. where I'm gonna start and I was loving trying different shots different ways but it was one of those two pieces that were a little higher up on the beach and it was really hard to keep Brendan and other people out of the view I mean Brendan's trying to get out of my view but of course I'm using the 16 to 35 I'm mm. out at 16 so I'm getting as much as I possibly can and I forced Brendan like um 
half a mile down the beach is really exaggeration, but you had to go so far as to get out of my frame because I was pointing out towards the beach and so much of it was there. And I'm really enjoying as the light's changing, trying to get more of the light getting into this really cool blue ice. And then tourists, man, they just walk right up, set the tripod up in front of me at the piece of ice that they thought looked cool. I made eye contact with him and still he's like, okay, cool, hi. I'm going to sit right here, all right? It's like, no, no, you're in my shot. And then- Yeah, and it's hard to be polite, right, as a photographer. (laughs) Yeah, and if I hadn't been there already for 10, 15 minutes, I would have asked him to wait for a moment. But I had really like overdone it on my different ideas of compositions around these these feet print going through here so it's like okay i'm probably fine so i'll just go down a little bit well unfortunately at this point morning is more later in the morning and there's more people and just like dozens of really well like expensive clothes clad chinese tourists are all walking now in front of me and setting up tripods and more other tourists other photographers and it's just I couldn't find a clear view from that point on. Once I had finished my sh- my first shots there, I couldn't find a clear view without going like you did, Brendan, right out into the water. Yeah, exactly. I really did have to get really close to the water. And uh, so one thing I would recommend is if you want to do a morning shoot, expect th- at least 30 other photographers there, really. Yeah. I mean, even I'm talking first thing in the morning, there's going to be 30 people there. And so... Uh, if you go to Diamond Beach, I would honestly recommend putting on like waders or uh, water socks or something so you can actually, like my boots are waterproof-ish, like they're water resistant, mm-hmm. but I wasn't about to like let the, you know, the tide like go over my legs and stuff and get some, get me soaking wet. So, but I really was like running in, taking pictures, running back, running in, taking pictures, t- running back because those are the cleanest shots. You know, so if you want to stand there and actually compose your shot more carefully, <laughs> I'd recommend like bringing some waiters or something like that. So you can stand there and get all the people behind you that aren't willing to get wet. If you have waiters on, bam, you've got the solution right there. You can make everybody else jealous because you can get these <laughs> nice big iceberg pieces that other people want to photograph, but then you're going to be, you're going to be able to push them out of your frame. So. So trying to get my composition, I featured the ice as big as I possibly could in my foreground Mm -hmm. with the context of the beach behind it. What kind of compositions did you pull off? Yeah, I got um, as much as I could to show the the horizon. Um, You have that morning light shining through and actually adding a lot of color and like yellow light to like the blue hues of the ice is just, oh my Mm, gosh, it was so awesome. And sometimes you can get really like iridescent and rainbow colors and some of the pieces because they're so the ice is so thick and so dense that it actually looks like carved crystal in some area. Right. Like when you get the right pieces, oh my gosh, it was just beautiful. Glacier so, ice is amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, because it's so old too. Like I, I don't know what it is, but there's something about old dense ice that just <laughs> has that. That's why they call it Diamond Beach because it has that crystal look. I mean, it actually looks like fire in a diamond. You know, like when you cut it and you actually have the iridescent rainbow effect going on from the sunlight so i wish that there was less clouds in the horizon but we did the best we could you know we did definitely have some color coming through and some direct sunlight eventually but it was a little bit higher and you know in the sky by that point but still i did the best i could to get some little pebbles and you could definitely see the the black sand was amazing contrast on the white ice oh yes so it was fantastic 
that volcanic obsidian black sand, you know, I mean, it was just, obsidian is not the right term, but that volcanic sand, I think it was basalt, is it basalt? I'm it's not just, sure, yeah, it's just black sand, I mean, it's just great. pure black contrast to everything else is fantastic, and then if you could just get the sunlight to hit those rocks, hit those icy rocks, you would be in heaven, and so you sit there waiting for that sunlight to creep out and hope that no one will get in your composition, no one will step there, no one will walk up and grab your ice cube that you're playing around with and wanting to put in your shot. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. like, please, no one touch anything, move in position, I need the sunlight to come out. And Diamond Beach is, if this was one of the off seasons, don't expect it to go very well without having like a three or four mornings there to try and get your best opportunity. Yeah, and that's the thing too, is like you can plan three or four mornings and it's going to be completely different. I mean, the weather's going to be completely different. The ice is going to be different. Heck, even the beach itself might be a little bit different just because of the tide and yeah. stuff. But it's it's such an interesting place because you just go from one ice ice piece to another and they're just so completely unique. I mean, some look like they were literally hammered, chiseled out all the way around this whole piece and the pieces were completely smooth. And it's just, it's just so nuts to see all the variations of the pieces of ice was just really cool to just hop around. Well, okay, let's try this one. Get down real low. Okay, yeah, nearly kind of macro kind of shots is what I was doing Yeah, uh, in a lot of places too because it was just like get really down low, get a little bit of the horizon and just emphasize this big piece of ice. It's just, it was really fun. And if I wasn't so in love with trying to get the example of like the, I mean, the amazement of so many pieces in my shot, Mm. I would have gone all the way down at the end of the beach from where you park and just keep going as far as you can. You'll find multiple pieces all isolated with no one nearby. And then Mm -hmm. you could really focus and hone your composition. So next time I go back there, I'm looking forward to getting there and hiking all the way down the beach finding a lone or solitary grouping of ice mm-hmm. um, that's just sitting there on the beach and then wait for that sunrise because the photographers that are coming in as tourists, they're not going anywhere further than that first 100 yards of the beach. That's true. That's a good point because I, I think if you walk down, you, you might have less to choose from because it seems like right off the bay, the lagoon where they come out, the inlet, and they mm-hmm. just wash right up there immediately sometimes. But I bet there are some pieces that get washed up further up. So that's not a bad but not a bad idea to try next time is to walk out a little bit further because it's true right off the parking lot that's where the mainstay the people are going to go so it's a very interesting place and so it's no wonder that people make the six hour drive to come out there Mm -hmm. it's not surprising that it's busy and then that whole area as you go the full ring these bus tours they take you all the way through and we continued on went to Vesterhorn then went through the tunnel and went a little bit around and it's just yeah the terrain, the little triangular shapes to these mountain peaks, and then the really cool waterfalls everywhere, just like Faroe Islands. It really is a magical place, Iceland. I know why it's so mm. popular. It is definitely not overstated that it's really cool. It's just not very easy to work around how popular it is right now. Yeah, and it's only going to get worse, I bet. So they make it really easy to get there. I mean, we got flights as low as like $300 you know, to get there from Salt Lake. Yeah. It's just nuts. So imagine if you live like in New York or if you live in San Francisco or, you know, near there, it's just like the flights are just really easy to get to from big cities. Exactly. And so get out there, experience it, but don't experience, don't expect to have something isolated most likely. And then you get lucky. You could definitely get lucky or go somewhere Mm -hmm. on the Northern side where there's a lot fewer people, but it's more dangerous. So just definitely come with someone that's a good guide. So before we end this segment, I want to just give a few comments on the challenges of capturing the 
actual icebergs in the lagoon. We mm. went on the other side when the sunlight now is open. You've got some light on that glacier in the background. That white snow is, about, is being lit up. The brown terrain is being lit up. And so you can kind of get a nice contrast with the bluish white ice of the iceberg. But photographically, Brendan, you had the best gear to do it. What was it like? Mm, yeah, with the 70 to 300, um, I ended up just really trying to compress and isolate some icebergs and get some background in there. But it, it was a challenge. I mean, we went during, I got some shots during sunset. And, and then we went back even during sunrise. And the light was a bit harsh on the sunrise, actually, where mm. it was like the sun was rising behind me. And so I just had that really flat, harsh light. Yeah, hitting it, but I, honestly, if you really want to take advantage of that, I would maybe bring a one hundred and fifty to six hundred kind of lens. You know what I mean? Where you could really zoom in on some of that detail and get because if if I got down lower, because we were kind of, there's the beach is kind of like the parking lot's higher, then you can walk down to the beach, right? And go yeah. down maybe ten or fifteen feet um, to be more level with the with the surface of the water. Uh, I would do that that angle with with a with a good zoom because then. You could really get like uh, the mountain peaks behind you, you get a better angle and get a better situation where you can really get the detail of the ice. Because when I looked at some of the pictures, uh, wow, I mean, the just the the blacks mixed in with the blues because it's like the black sand got like seeded into the ice as it was yeah. coming down the mountain, right? It and it made these the crazy, yeah, crazy like zebra stripes and stuff. And like, so you can really emphasize that that detail in your shots, but you can get the really good detail of the ice and it's, and it's melting curves and stuff like that too. So it's just, there's definitely a challenge, but there's a lot of fun stuff you can do with it too. So I, I don't know, but I just wouldn't do it in the middle of the day, I guess probably sun, sun, sunrise or sunset would be your best option, but you just got to position yourself in the right place. And, and texture to the iceberg, something that yeah. gives it shape definition, then you get yeah. the good light for it. And yeah. I'd also say it depends on when you come. I mean, I'm looking at Google mm -hmm. Earth. All those icebergs are butted up against the front. There's a big grouping of them at that time. You could literally do a wide angle lens from there. 16 to 35 was mm -hmm. not good for these ones that we experienced as they were all at least 100, 200 yards away from us, if not a mile away from us in the lagoon. I mean, mm -hmm. they were just way out there. And so a lot of hiking around the Yokul Sarlon um, lagoon there would give you an opportunity for something more special than from the tourist vantage points. So yeah. go there with plans to hike and to bring a long lens. Yeah. So That's let's what go I would suggest. You agree too? Awesome. Yeah. Let's go ahead and take our last break of the podcast. We'll come back and talk about after we've dropped off James, we instead stayed near Reykjavik and go around that area and go north where you go to Kir Kirkjafetla. The thing I've always said Kirkjafell is actually Fetla because the double L is a t sound, something like that. Very close, at least if not uh, reasonably close to the accurate pronunciation. Sounds good to me, but I don't know. <laughs> Be right back. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. Now we're going to talk about Kirkjafetla. Fetla? Fetla? Kirkjafetla. Kirkjafetla. I, I think even as a tourist, if you tried to maybe even sound close, they might give you like a good like little courtesy nod maybe. or smile. A lot maybe. of times I found myself trying to say it the close way and they just looked at me like, what are you trying to say? If oh. I just said it like they expect me to say it, Kirkjafell, they're like, Kirkjafetla, like they correct me still, but yeah. then they kind of understand what I was trying to say. Yeah, so yeah, so I don't know. Annoying. 
But it's really fun to see the language everywhere. It's such a unique spelling of everything. Giant oh, yeah. long words. Really long words. Something like that. It's a crazy volcano name. Uh, man, just cool place cool language but you were saying about Kirkjafetla before I went in because we yeah, went up uh, north to go to this area yeah and from that area you pass through like the Walter Mitty scenes that you see yes. from Iceland and so that was pretty awesome um, I just want to put a you know a little little thing about that because that was uh, pretty cool we actually drove when you're driving to Kirkjafell then you drive past that little like red and white house that they show him on the bike and you yeah. pass like the little town where he found the the drunk uh helicopter pilot and that whole set is is, is pretty cool so it was nice that we could find all those places and then uh go to Kirkifell, but uh it was uh it had a really good potential that day to have an amazing sunset right yeah, the way that the clouds had all come through and had a, a storm that midday and snowed on us as it went over. A little bit of snow, yeah. It was opening up and the clouds were moving. It looked promising. But when we got there, we saw that there was like literally on this hillside, which is the best hillside to take a photo of the waterfall with Kirkifell, uh peak in the shot. Wow. How many people were there? There's I like would 40 say the entire there. population of Faroe Islands were there. Oh, my gads. The ah, the bus was there, three other giant vehicles, and then just dozens of small vehicles amounted to probably 100 people. Yeah, I mean, and just, and, just lined up, and just lined up on the edge, there's probably a good solid 40 people there. Yeah, right there and on the all, edge are 40. They're all you know, fitting shoulder to shoulder, trying to fit their tripods in. <laughs> and it's just like, I'm looking at this. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is worse than uh, Arch, you know, the, the Mesa Arch in uh, Canyonlands. Yeah, right. And it's like, dang, but uh, I was lucky because I'm just like, you know, I'm going to make something work. And so I walked around uh, like a dozen people and found two short little Chinese ladies that were right next to each other. <laughs> and I'm like, this might actually work. I set my tripod right over their heads. Boop. It's like, okay. There I am. And they bent down. They crouched down even lower. I'm like, this is perfect. Like, they're completely out of my way. I can go right over the top of them and have nobody in my shot. <laughs> <laughs> I ended up sa saving, you know, for the short people. I went on the outside of everybody at the top, but I found a spot that was 16 millimeter. I could go really wide and see that and see a lot of the um, waterfall going out into the, I guess, the bay there. Mm, and yeah. then you see the peak in front of you. And so I, I, I'm really happy with that composition. I think it's interesting and solid. I didn't have to do any focus stacking because I wasn't low to the terrain. There was no reason to. The more low I got, the more I blocked the waterfall with the right, overhang right. that was there. So I needed to stay high as I could possibly go and then capture what I could. And it's just no real color showed up. Nothing. No, that's the thing. Really it's kind of a dud sunset. Yeah, I mean, there's some a little bit of color, a little bit of hints of color, but it was just a little too thick. The clouds and so never really broke away and gave us the beautiful colors in the sky. No, it was disappointing to see it that first time that way because as we were coming with the storms, it felt like, okay, we could have snow on the top of Kirkjafetla. That'd be really cool. Mm. And maybe not many people are there because it's kind of been a stormy day. <laughs> no, no, that wasn't nope. even close. Nope. I I wonder if that was lower than average, and if that is less than average, then that place is nuts. Yeah, I have a feeling that it was. I mean, that parking lot was completely full, too, and people were parking on the side of the street, and we had to pull over on the side of the street. There's just literally not enough room 
to fit the amount of tourists. And this is like September, you know, and so I can only imagine what the summertime is like over there. Oh, yeah. And for those of you who've always seen these iconic pictures from the Foss of Kirkjafetla, that peak, that triangular cool look where you get those lines in the actual um, grasses and rock Mm -hmm. as it's going up, it kind of looks like it's this spiral cone of the top of an ice cream cone, you know, and it's just that ice cream goes to a point and it's really nifty. Uh, Actually, it's completely long. You happen to look at it from that angle and it looks like a point of a triangular mountain, but realistically, Mm. it's just the tail end of a box of crayons that reach for another mile off into the distance. And so this long box of crayons goes and curves around, kind of looking like Vesterhorn and a little bit on one side. I wouldn't say that much because people who've done a lot of photography of Vesterhorn know it's completely different, but it's just, it's a long face of, of hills side and peaking grassy hill and mountain I mean it's a mountain and from that angle all of that long section of it disappears behind it and it looks completely different and yeah. it has that iconic shape that is so cool because we were driving up to it we didn't know it that that was it because it was like <laughs> yeah. we're coming along this face of this big you know mountain face we're like and we're like we're getting close, but is is that actually is that it? And then we yeah. turn the corner, we're like, oh my gosh, that is it! Like that's nuts. I'm expecting yeah. a wizard's hat sticking up out of nowhere that's mm-hmm. all isolated, and that's entirely not it. It's a long right. shape with a very narrow side. That if you look at it from one perspective, it just becomes the wizard hat that it looks like. Right, which is funny because you really, I mean, and you can't really emphasize the true shape of the mountain range without getting the waterfall. It'll look completely different. And so it's just really interesting. Yeah, I'm wondering located. how many times yeah. I've seen Kirkjafetla and didn't realize it in other photographers' attempts to try and get mm, away maybe. from the massive amount of people that were standing on the waterfall. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I mean, I remember watching Elia Locardi there with the guys from F-Stoppers and they're doing their video and they're doing their drone footage and they had a couple other people that were out there with them during this time. A couple other people. Mm-hmm. Now, drones mm-hmm. everywhere banned, forbidden, completely right. do not fly a drone. And then you've got dozens and dozens and hundreds of people who are joining you. Maybe they are taking photos with their iPhone and standing in your perfect composition spot or maybe they have their own tripod and they're going there for their, you know, dream come true shot it's just disappointing and awesome that it's a photographer's mecca because you just you get so bummed that you took too long to get there right right where it would have been really really awesome 10 years ago yeah oh man i mean <laughs> and we just didn't have you know we didn't know we just didn't it, know if this isn't a word of caution for those of you considering Faroe islands just do it now do it now before they do a lot of the same things and they will. And th- th- they've already started. This year was the start of all those banning of the drones, I, I, you know, blocking things off. There's one place the farmer just absolutely will not let you go to anymore where it was completely open and fine before. And now the tourists have just ruined it. He's just like, nope, don't care if it's just two of you. Nope, don't even care. Just nope. <laughs> nope, don't even care. So let's uh, talk a little bit yeah. about the hangout before Kirkjafetla with the, the Serena Ho. She took us to mm, a really mm-hmm. iconic location, but in the dark. And we had no idea what it really looked like until you took some pictures. And it was crazy hard to get a composition there. Yeah, it was like the Jansenberg. I can't remember exactly. the name. James, but it was the it was Geyser, like James, right? It was kind of like James Janesboro if, you were like, if it was like translated to English, you know. Mm, okay. Um. And it was just, yeah, just north of uh, Reykjavik, right? 
Yeah, it's well, like between, you go to Keflavik. You go from Reykjavik to Keflavik, past the airport in Keflavik. Yes, yeah, and past the domestic airport. Yeah, because I remember like driving back the next day, thinking I was just on this road last night. Like, okay, okay, <laughs> yeah. I know kind of where we are. So yeah, um, yeah, it's this thermal geothermal uh, geysers that just blow out steam and water all day long. Like it's not like a time thing. It's like constant jet just roaring. <laughs> like the entire day 24 hours a day <laughs> yeah and i mean one of the platforms we walk through to get to the port we got to you get drenched you know in this steamy <laughs> that was the hardest part for me water like, spitted <laughs> first there's this platform that takes you up on a wooden uh, boardwalk that then you can set up and everyone was set up right there and i started time last because there's a roar off in the horizon mm-hmm. that you can see just above the cloud line and so i'm thinking okay this looks like nothing in a single shot if i do a time lapse maybe i'll see some movement in that aurora mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. while i'm over there um, brendan goes with serena and caspar as our guides up through this area our guides are friends who are guiding him through this area and this is the same spot that Serena talks about almost falling to her death through the crust into a, like a boiling cauldron of geyser steamy hot water. Yeah, so that's what's crazy is we went off the boardwalk a little bit and went to this spot where we could get a little bit of ground texture near the steam or facing Aurora or, you know, and so I turned around from those guys and looked at the other steam pocket that was the bigger one yeah because that's where like the moon was setting there's a little bit of clouds in the sky still i got some awesome red colors from the moon set and then there's a lighthouse out there in the distance that was lighting up the steam as it's coming up so the lighthouse would come and rotate like every minute and a half a beam would come through and and cross the steam pocket you know and so painter constantly yeah yeah it was it was awesome so i was like just taking all these shots like timing it like trying to see the timing of the lighthouse like okay here it comes here it comes take a shot i'm like oh man i missed it so i do it again (laughs) and you know and i just kept doing that for like a half an hour while you guys were like getting windblown and all this stuff oh and the worst part is i'm over uh, there i'm now alone these guys are on that side and i'm thinking okay i'll just follow the boardwalk to catch up with them and they're not on it anywhere and i'm thinking okay i'll continue on this way and there's roped off areas like don't go past this point and then roped off areas here don't go past this point and i'm thinking this is where she fell through it's dark even Mm. if i had my headlamp on i only see so much so i'm like i'm not about to try and find the safe pathway to them i know they're kind of up there closer towards the geyser but i'm not about to go figure out my path in the dark alone yeah, and There's James no found way. us, and so he, he joined us, and, and so then he just left it. you out there alone. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, I'm not going to take that risk. And it, and it was cold like and windy, was too. It was like, when he took yeah. the risk, he was just going to walk around the path up there and see if he can get a hold of you and then let me know, and he just disappeared. He just disappeared. Cause, he, yeah, because then it was like, oh, this is a cool comp, and I think he sat down and started taking some shots, too. And so, and so I now, at this point, <laughs> I'm trying to get their attention, at least undo the... We didn't realize we were going to be out there that long, and I had my gloves in the vehicle, and Brendan, for the first time ever, locked the vehicle out there, and so I can't get a hold of him. I'm trying to get his attention with lights at the vehicle, nothing, and so that was my mistake. I should have just gone mm. with you and Caspars and Serena the first time so that I knew the pathway, because I didn't really get a chance to appreciate that night. I felt more yeah. isolated and bummed that mm. it's just like okay i can't safely find you guys without taking a risk that i'm not needing to take right now so i'll just come over here and see what i can capture and uh, doing that time lapse and then my camera fell i actually my camera and tripod took wind and fell fully laid out 
like the most strong and sturdy it could be, and it still got blown over. Mm. And so my camera with the L bracket hit hard, and the L bracket saved it from hitting and damaging anything, but where the L bracket connects to the bottom of my 5D Mark IV swelled up a little bit, like as it kind of anchored the hit and then pulled on the actual tripod and camera that's just where a little bit of it kind of tugged the camera wanted to fly but it couldn't because it was being held and anchored in by that screw mm. at the bottom of the L, pla- L bracket and that just kind of swelled a little bit so then now my L bracket and camera don't fit perfectly and they don't stay totally steady unless I really screw them on and so I've got to fix that as yeah it's so a working camera it's yeah. totally working but it just looks bloated down there yeah I, we might be able so to fix I. that. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe Canon can fix it for cheap. But uh, yeah, that that ground though. Speaking of the ground uh, being really soft, it was. I mean, I, I felt like it was going to give through at some point. Like it's just like <laughs> we're just walking like on eggshells because it was like, oh my gosh, this could break through. This is crazy, you know. Uh, and because yeah, uh, the closer you get to the geyser, because the geyser's got like uh, a big pocket that is blown out, right? It's just blowing steam out, so it's hollow under there some places is just completely Yikes. hollow I'm probably changing so, all the time maybe <laughs> i mean seriously if yeah. i had the gall to jump over the rope at that point and just risk it once i started feeling it that soft i would have turned around and been like i'm out of here you'd be like no nope 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 <laughs> no 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 <laughs> i've got a lot more to live for my friends <laughs> yeah so that is our awesome night with I was trying to get Aurora. We actually got some Milky Way. That's our yeah. our September Milky Way happened from that. So thank goodness we got it did. Something. Yeah, I did get some September Milky Way. I was just thinking about like I'm like I didn't get any Milky Way. I'm like wait a minute, I just posted Milky Way yesterday on our Instagram. So yeah, that <laughs> was actually, actually I did a Milky Way I did get every some. month this month so far this year so far. Man, got uh, yeah. something barely Even one barely got it one in, in there. August. Ooh. That was yeah. terribly pathetic. But so fantastic. Let's end it with the geothermal events of all of Iceland. I mean, if you go wash your hands or shower in Iceland in Reykjavik, you will experience the sulfur. The surf the mm. sulfur from the geothermal water that's heated that way. I mean, it's awesome and free, but man, it reeks. Yeah, I think it's I, I don't know if it's free, but it's really cheap. I think the hot water is basically everywhere because the whole island's just a they got geothermal stations <laughs> like yeah. everywhere. And they just pump that stuff, man. It's just boiling hot. They pump it way to the bigger cities, and they just like hot water is everywhere. Like it's, it's awesome. Really the heating cool. is floor. Their floor heating and their radiators are all pumped with the hot water, and so it's just it's just awesome. Our final so, night, we got an yeah. Airbnb that was out there near Keflavik, but it's a city that's on the coast, so you have to drive at least twenty minutes to get back to the airport. Grindavik. Yeah, it was Grindavik. That's right, yeah. and that place is on the pathway to the Blue Lagoon area, that touristy mm-hmm. hot spring. And man, the Blue Lagoon is terrific looking. It's awesome. Yeah, I, mean, I can you, see why there's so many tourists there. You know, it's nuts. You got the lava rock everywhere, and then where this water has been, it is coated the lava rock with white chalky substance. So it looks like a bunch of beds of white pools that have blue water. Mm-hmm really cool looking it's what you get with a lot of hot springs like the diamond hot springs that we went to last winter has a very similar look as uh, as well especially in the winter time where you get more of that colder contrast the water was really really blue like just crazy like uh aquamarine blue you know yeah the milky the milky white and the blue just to get oh just so it's so cool looking 
We went inside after we doing the tourist walk around outside and kind of went into where they had the cafe and people are waiting to get their turn in. We met Robin, who was going to get in there later that, that evening. She had her set up. If we wanted to go, it would have cost us 100 a person to mm. get in with only one hour left before closing because they have right. these windows of times that you can schedule. It's like you can't, there's nothing available until what was like 9 p.m. and then it yeah. closes at 10. Yeah. So we would have to pay $100 each just to do it. So we'll do it next time. Can't wait to do it. Uh, we've said it, Iceland's amazing, definitely go, but full of people. If you love people, if you love Yosemite, you love Iceland. That's expensive. The Cardinal is expensive. The gas is expensive. I can understand why people take tours now because to fill up our van was, uh, let's see, half tank was 90 bucks. You tell me. It you was awesome enough it was, to run your card. It was like 150 bucks to fill up a tank of that van. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. And oh that my gosh. is a little yeah. bit of a story. We're going to bypass this podcast and we'll talk about it yeah. next time. I know the podcast is a little short, but we're short on time. So we're going to end this podcast here. We'll have some untold stories from Iceland to tell you guys later. We have our anniversary episode coming up. Now that my mm-hmm. voice is back, I can put out an astro primer and an astro photog. And so look for more content, guys. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you guys enjoy this and enjoy our video content, don't thank us. Thank our patrons who are putting their real money to help us afford to do this and keep this content coming. Yes. Thank you, patrons. Thank you guys so much. Hope you have a good Wednesday, and we'll talk to you guys next week. See you guys.